Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode number five. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and you're listening to the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu. Live Jiu-Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and in the United States who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, helping to keep them away from drugs and crime and to inspire them to pursue their goals and dreams. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, geese, and tournament registrations. As a supporter, the BJJ Metal Coach donate all the profits of the t-shirts and patches sales to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.livejiu-jitsu.org. It's www.livejiu-jitsu.org. Now let me introduce you to today's guest, Pete Roberts. Pete is a black belt in jiu-jitsu under Andre Dedeco Almeida, as well the founder of Origin USA. Pete earned a scholarship to play football at the University of Maine in 1997, and after two years with the program, Pete decided that it was time to move on. Once he left college, he started his new company called Insight New Media. It was during this time Pete started his martial arts journey, first with taekwondo before finding his true passion in jiu-jitsu. The company flourished until the recession hit in 2008 and lost most of its customers. Pete eventually sold what was remaining of Insight New Media. In 2010, Pete founded BJJWeekly.com and spent a year traveling around the country training, competing, and gathering content for the website. In 2011, Pete formed Origin Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to manufacture geese. In 2012, Pete earned an invite to compete in the prestigious World Professional Jiu-Jitsu Cup in Abu Dhabi. While in Abu Dhabi, Pete saw another competitor wearing a gi that was his design, but a different company's logo. The company that Origin had been using in Pakistan was using Pete's design, just putting a different logo on it and selling it as their own in Europe. This incident inspired Pete to come to the conclusion that he must manufacture his own geese. Soon after he arrived, he began to research exactly how to manufacture his own products. It began in his basement and sewing jujitsu belts, and today, Origin has 20,000 square foot factory that produces an entire line of products, not just jiu-jitsu geese. In 2014, Origin BJJ was rebranded to Origin USA, which sells supplements via Origin Labs and its own podcast title, Hands in Daylight. Pete, thank you for joining us. Gustavo, it's an absolute honor to be on this podcast with you. I want to thank you for inviting me on. And uh, I'm really excited about talking to you. I haven't spoken in a while, you know. Yes. And uh, I, I think there's some nice layering here and some nice crossover uh, because, believe it or not, you're part of that story you mm-hmm. just talked about, you know, and, and in that timeline. And you pretty much nailed the timeline and, and what's happening. So I'm excited to share, to share what's going on and, and delve into it with you. 
Awesome. So I mentioned a little bit about the, you know, your story, but I'd like to know how jujitsu came to your life and basically where you're at in your jujitsu journey right now. So jujitsu came to my life after college, you know, and it, and it, it really filled the void I was looking for as a man, you know, I think for a lot of men and I know it's, you know, it's, uh, a lot of women, a lot of men, a lot of kids train jujitsu. I can only speak from personal experiences as a man, what it's done for me as a father, as a husband. And you hear these things and, you know, you just, it, it, it seems like cliche to say that, but man, I'm telling you, for me, jujitsu changed my life, mm-hmm. you know, and my successes in business is because, of course, I had a great support system, uh, a woman by me, my wife, Amanda, but also because jujitsu. Because jujitsu teaches you how to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations and how to find angles and escape. So it's a lifestyle for me. Uh, You know, I, I was into the whole competition scene and I enjoy watching competing and I like being part of it, but competition for me didn't necessarily fill the void in my life and help me succeed in life. Jujitsu itself did, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, so it came into my life uh, after college, uh, and I earned my black belt under Andre the Deco Almighty. He says hi, by the way. Yes, sir. I know that guy. We trained back in 1992 and three. It's a long time ago. That's yeah, a long time ago. And also under uh, Alexei uh, Cruz Pickrell, who's another awesome instructor. So two, two great guys uh, who keep the passion alive. You know, they really do. So. I found it, and like most people in jiu-jitsu, I got choked out my first class by some 150-pound computer geek. I was just big, you know, you know, Division One athlete, you know, like athletic and on top of my game, and I was like, what just happened? And I was hooked since that first class. Awesome. So where are you adding your jiu-jitsu journey right now? You still train, of course, and yeah, I I get on the mat uh, at least twice a week. Uh, that's my goal, and the, the thing is, is uh, the old factory, which is through the woods here. Um, the old factory, the downstairs is all mat space, and even though it's a short walk to the fact to the old factory where the mats are, you know, two to three times a week max for me is what I'm able to do, and that and that keeps keeps uh, keeps it alive for me. And, uh, for me, it's, it's a private, it's a private training. Like we're not like a, we don't run like a school per se. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like a private, a private place. Um, I am part of the new England United team up here in new England, but, uh, it's more of an outlet. So I go to, I go to class, I go to train, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like we, we train, man. I, I try to hit the mats four or five minute, 10 minutes round, 10 minute rounds. Every time I get on the mats, I try to hit it hard. And it's more of a knowledge share than anything, you know. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm at, and um, I still keep up to date on all the stuff going on in the jujitsu world, and you know, I still love seeing who who the next big up and coming star is. Mm-hmm. And uh, but as far as competition, I'm not sure if I'll ever compete again. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't serve two masters, you know, and trying yeah. to you're going to give one, especially if you're trying to succeed at at something like if you want to succeed a competition you got to focus on competition that pulls your mind away from this side of things and vice versa so mm-hmm. i had to make a choice i had to make a choice when started then yeah the choice and 
you got to really have the desire. You got to really feel it. I like to say competition is like a itch, you know, if you're itchy, you scratch that itch. If you're not, you're not going to be scratching something that like, exactly. like right now, you know, I actually have an injury, but something that I was without computer for a while. People, why are not competing? Because I don't feel like it. I don't have right. the itch. If I, I don't want to scratch something that I don't feel like it. You know? Right. You did touch a little bit about, because uh, one of the questions is, how did, how do BJJ relate to life? You know, you do already talk a little bit about being comfortable in uncomfortable situations and how that transferred a lot into life. But so yeah. I want you to expand a little bit more in how BJJ relates to life. Sure. You know, I mean, I believe that um, we're something we're missing and I'll speak to American culture because I grew up in the U.S. Uh, something we're missing is the struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, struggle. What is the struggle? I mean, I'm not saying everywhere, you know, but but compared to living here and being here, the struggle we had as a, you know, as a country, or, uh, you know, not that long ago in the grit and work ethic, I'm not saying it's gone by any means. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that, but it's gotten easier, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and easier leads to complacency and complacency leads to laziness. Mm-hmm. And lazy, laziness uh, and comfort, they don't lead to doing anything. So, uh, you know, jujitsu for me is it's constantly having it in front of me, knowing that every time I step on the mats, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to mm-hmm. be a challenge. I'm going to learn. I'm going to have to humble myself, drop whatever ego there is, humble myself, get on the mats, learn, train and become a better man. And it keeps the struggle alive, so to speak. Uh, you know, when we're not out here anymore, you know, we're getting the fields ready to, you know, plant the crops or milking cows or, you know, or cutting wood and, you know, that, that, that thing in front of you that you're looking towards that you're like, that's, I, man, I got to get through that again. You know, mm-hmm. when, you, when you put that in front of yourself, uh, you know you've got to be ready for it, you know, mm-hmm. and absolutely. And then there's the action of doing it, you know. It's the activity itself, the action of getting on the mat and getting in challenging positions, and um, the grit that comes with being on the mat. And of course, anyone in jujitsu has a work mm-hmm. ethic. I don't care who you are. If you're on the mats. You've got work ethic. You know, um, it's important. It keeps that alive too. So. Yeah, and I actually have a note right in front of me from Brandon Bouchard. He's a high-performance coach that's, that he always mentioned about honor the struggle. You know, yeah. it's going to happen. You've got to honor it. And this is, I feel that it's a great advice for everyone. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I, I feel that it's a great advice to the listeners who are in their entrepreneurial journey or are maybe in transition from maybe a corporate world to entrepreneurship get used to with this honor the struggle because you know if you think that uh, you know it's going to be a lot easier because you're going to run your own business i think people have a lot of misconceptions about being an entrepreneur you know and a successful one and i mentioned a little bit on the intro but i want to ask you when did you have the spark i didn't mention a little bit about to pursue your vision you know and how was your mindset? I did, for, for the listeners, if you have a chance to go to listen to Jocko's podcast, and there's an interview with Pete I mentioned to him that I listened. It's three hours long. It's probably <laughs> the longest podcast I've ever listened to, but I did listen to the whole thing, and it was awesome. 
So if you do have, I'll put the link also at the end. And uh, so what I'd like to know is when was the moment, which I would assume is the one in, when you were in Abu Dhabi and you saw, and I remember that, by the way, you know, I remember all that, you know, the backpack and some things are going around or like yeah. you're doing a backpack, yeah. just like I remember all that stuff when that yeah. happened, you know, and, and how was your mindset? Mindset that I'm saying this, I always like to say this because a lot of the listeners are Sometimes they do have an idea, they do have some visions, but they don't push it through because of the fear, that anxiety, the fear, the uncertainty, and you push that through. So when was it and how did you deal with this anxiety? I, and I can speak to that because that's my MO. Um, I always say like, you got to respond, but not react. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, how do you detach emotionally? Well, you've got to be put in situations, em- emotionally charged situations. Uh, you want to hear something funny is there was a situation in Abu Dhabi and we were like everybody else. I'm trying to come out of this recession and build a brand and, you know, and I had built a lot of brands at my agency. We worked for Quicksilver, uh, Rosignol Group and a lot of sporting brands, et cetera, et cetera. So I had seen what could be done mm-hmm. and, and everybody, the way you build a brand is what you import, you import stuff. You import product, you rebrand, you put your brand on it, you make some little innovations, you know, and, and you rely on foreign labor. And, and that's kind of the way the world has been the past 20 years. And I was kind of on the same boat. You know, it's just, this is how it's done. Uh, I wanted to do things differently and better and innovate. Uh, and I trusted that my intellectual property would be kept in, in close regard. And, you know, and, but it, it, it just wasn't. So, um, I knew after the Abu Dhabi incident what was going on. I came back and then I went and competed in the Worlds uh, right after that mm-hmm. in adult division. And there was a company who had completely ripped us off, like complete, like stitch for stitch. And my wife, you know, and, and she's a good woman, she unglued on them. Mm-hmm. She came unglued you know, and, and just infuriated. And, you know, it was the defining moment. And I, and I talk about defining moments. And I told her, I said, you know, I said, it's time. Mm-hmm. It's, ta- it's time we live or die. Mm-hmm. And to live, to live, we take everything in our hands and we do something with it. And, and if we fail, we fail. Knowing failure is not an option it's still a possibility. It's still, it's still a, a, something that could happen. Uh, or we die. And by dying, we continue on the same path we're on importing product and selling it to the end user. That's, that was dying to me. Mm-hmm. And, and so in order to do that means that I wouldn't do it at all. And so we made a strategic decision. And instead of reacting to the whole thing, I had to continue a relationship that was broken. I had to continue a relationship because we had to cut a forest down. We had to saw out Eastern white time, fine timbers to build a factory in the woods, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that transition. And we had to find sewing machines that we didn't know how to use, didn't know how to thread a needle. I recorded a video of them threading the needle for me. So I knew how to thread a needle on a sewing machine. That whole time we had to maintain a relationship with our overseas manufacturer to make sure the brand continued in this transition or I could have reacted and shut it all down. You had to be very strategic about everything. Very, very strategic. And, 
you know, I remember we were doing some work for you guys and, and a bunch of pants had ripped out when we were importing product. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was a situation that was real, like got to the core of my bones. Like I know I could, I could with the right team build a better product than we're importing. I know we could, you know, and there, there were instances in which I took on my shoulders like that situation with you where we had faulty product, which I wanted to stand behind hundred percent, but I knew it wasn't going to be six months. I knew it wasn't going to be a year. Mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't going to be three years. I knew that it was going to take us a decade to get to where we want to go. That is putting, that is emotionally detaching, mm -hmm. responding, not reacting, and coming up with a strategic plan to go forward. And, and that takes, uh, I don't think it takes a, a special type of person. I think it takes emotional conditioning, you know? Mm -hmm. Some people experience emotional conditioning and emotional calluses uh, earlier on in life than others, and some people experience yes. it later in life, you know? But but we all have to experience that. And as an entrepreneur, making that transition in your journey, let's say, to becoming a, a business person, entrepreneur, um, you're, you expect to be tested and challenged. Expect it. It's going to happen. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care who you are. It's expected and it will happen. So how you, how you deal with that as it comes at you, man, how you deal with it, got to detach and you got to be strategic. So. Be as rational as possible about the whole situation. Yeah. And with that said, what do you feel that some entrepreneurs are struggling with right now in transition? There's one thing that Gary Vaynerchuk, for people who don't know about him, Gary V, you can find him everywhere on YouTube, Instagram, just put Gary V. He has a lot of interesting concepts. And in one of them, he mentioned that there's some people that have the entrepreneurial DNA. That's what they do. They're born entrepreneurs. There's some people have entrepreneurial tendencies. They like, yeah, yeah I'm going to do this. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. I'll do this. I'll do that. And some people that are not entrepreneurs at all. Yeah. And I feel that there are a lot of people getting into the mix of entrepreneurship with the tendencies. They'd be like, that would be cool. You know, be I can cool. work four hours a week. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. After, you know, hit reality, you're like, oh, hello. No one told me it was like that. So a lot of people are going in in the journey not maybe knowing some of the stuff or even how they're wired, you know, if they're like, is this really for me? So right. what do you feel that it's something that entrepreneurs are struggling right now, especially people who are coming in and some people that might be on the road for a long time, they've been entrepreneurs yeah. for a long time, but they still don't have a realization. What do you have to share with them? Yeah. Um, I'll try to keep it tight, but I could talk for five hours on this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, there's, uh, I'm, I, I honestly, and I have to say, I haven't, I know Gary V. I've seen him all over Facebook and I know he's written some books, but I, I haven't spent a lot of time listening to his message. I know it's good uh, because he's everywhere. Um, and he, and I'd say he's absolutely right. I call it an entrepreneurial seizure. Hmm. You know, there's entrepreneurial tendencies, which are ideas that you want to test. And there's an entrepreneurial seizure where you just, you kind of, you know, you just go kind of go do it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then you're like, what have I done? You know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and, 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 and then, um, and, and with him to say like, okay, well, you're, there's some people that are born entrepreneurs. Yes. 
there are some people that are born entrepreneurs. And you know, in the past, I've said that you can't teach entrepreneurship, but you know, I, I've changed my opinion on that. Mm-hmm. I think you can teach entrepreneurship. I think it's like anything else you're going to condition yourself to do. Yes. You know, you see athletes in jujitsu who can't play basketball, can't play soccer, you know, uh, can't play lacrosse, you know, can't run fast. And you see them as phenomenal competitors in jujitsu. You know, you can teach the craft. It takes some time, you know, it takes more, more effort. And, and the same goes for entrepreneurship, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's condi- it goes back to conditioning, entrepreneurial conditioning. Challenge know? a lot of beliefs. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, there's going to come to some people easier than others. Mm-hmm. That is a fact. Some people are just born with a, a block in their mind and they will not fail. And they'll look at it as a failure as a tuition payment. I'm making that tuition payment. I failed at that. It's a tuition payment. I'm moving on to the next thing. Or I know I made that mistake. Let me bank that. Let me go on. Let me move forward. Some people, when they get hit with that, uh, when they get hit with that tuition payment, they, they crumble underneath the pressure and the weight of it. You know? Uh, and I've experienced that pressure. Mm-hmm. I have. All entrepreneurs have. And once that happens, you need to absorb and disperse it. And this is where maybe I'm different. Um, I, I found that dispersing it through advisement and through people that have been there, uh, that can make or break a person. Mm-hmm. And, and just like you'd seek, just like you'd have a match broken down in the mats. Hey, man, you didn't grip here. You let the grip go. You should have broken the grip. Your posture was broken. You left your arm hanging out. You know, you can have someone break that down for you. You. everything else in the world we get taught and then all of a sudden they're like hey an entrepreneur you know that that person's born no that can be taught too yeah it's gonna take a lot it's gonna take a lot of time and uh but it it can it can be taught and you need to seek advisement in order to do that you need to humble yourself first to be able to seek advice so what do you feel that could be some practical steps that some of our listeners who are in transition thinking about taking that entrepreneurial route could execute on First of all, overstated but underused, have a business plan. Okay. Have a business plan. Use a simple tool. I, I used live plan, uh, uh, online version, for like my first six years, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, a business. Uh, but, you know, having a, having a business plan is, is number one. And a lot of people, they ignore that. They don't have a business plan. You know, uh, the other thing is, is put skin in the game. Mm-hmm. No, no, no skin in the game, no real risk. Okay. Uh, and that could be in the form of, and I don't want to go tell anybody, Hey, quit your job and go start your own business. I, that's mm-hmm. stupid advice, but skin in the game, uh, could be in the form of giving something up. I gave up competition. Mm-hmm. I gave up jujitsu as competition. I, I often give up time with my family. People don't understand I might miss an event here or there, you know? That doesn't, it doesn't feel good, but for me, I'm, I'm part of building something for the future of my family, for their kids, you know, something that when I'm gone, which is fleeting, you know, and we all are decaying, you know, that's a real thing. What, what do I leave 
when I leave. Mm-hmm. What do I leave? Legacy, when I leave? yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's important. So, um, you know, starting with a, with a business plan and then, and then getting some skin in the game and then seeking advisement, humble yourself to seek advisement. Um, but most importantly, you have to believe in yourself first. Mm-hmm. Don't go looking for belief in other people to believe in you. No, it comes, it starts here. It starts from here. Some people, your friends, they're going to like what you have to say because they're your friends. They're going to always be like, yeah, bro, that's awesome. Man, you should definitely do that. That's the coolest idea. Mm-hmm. And some people are going to be like, man, that sucks. You know, you shouldn't do that. And a lot of people, if 10 people say that's a good idea and one person says it sucks, well, it sucks because it's not 100%. Mm-hmm. I'd, rather, I'd rather 10 people tell me it sucked and one ter- told me it was a good idea. That motivates me. But not all people are, are built like that. And so it starts with you knowing what you have to offer the world, the world needs. we got to start there. Now, what is, I know that you went through some different struggles. So I'd like you to, to share your worst entrepreneurial experience and what did you learn from it? Uh, my worst entrepreneurial experience uh, was definitely in my first business. and. I was a young kid, you know, 20, mid twenties or whatever, uh, had the, had the, you know, had the world by the balls. I felt, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're doing some great stuff and a coup, a coup happened and, uh, I didn't see it coming. You know, my employees, they, they crafted out a document kind of like for a hostile takeover of the business. And it was during the recession. They had no idea I had gone and taken out a line of credit to continue mm-hmm. making payroll. They had no freaking idea. And I, I maintained my composure. Instead, of, instead, my mistake was I should have been transparent with them about what was going on. But I was young, a little bit arrogant, and wanted to push through blindly. That's different. Pushing through with, with advisement and pushing through blindly. There's, that's, yeah, that's just insanity. Mm-hmm. So ult- ultimately, the worst experiences was that kind of coup and uh, them basically saying, hey, you do it our way or we're, we're taking the highway. And I scraped their desks into trash bags and I sent them packing, you know, mm-hmm. and I said, I said, it's time. It's time to shut down. And and I put myself in a really, really tough position where I had to sell all my all my possessions except for my home. We're able to keep that borrow a few hundred bucks here and there from my wife's parents or my parents, as I tried to salvage a piece of that company, which took a long time, salvage a small piece and sell a small piece of it off. Um, I'd say that was, that was the toughest. Uh, and what is the lesson behind what I can see of the lesson is because I listened to the whole interview. So you just, you gave like a quick version, whoever wants to learn more about should check out Jock, uh, Jocko's interview. So what is the lesson? I, I see the lesson of the leadership of like learning how to, to actually lead a team. Yeah. You know, so uh, I relate in different ways to, to the story and it's a really good one. The listeners should check out. But whatever lessons do you feel that you got from this experience? So many lessons. You can imagine. Oh, man. Uh, culture. Uh, sharing that culture uh, and building that culture 
you know, happens over time, you know, and having no fluff in your words, you know, your words, uh, every word that comes out of your face should have, should mean something, no empty words, you know, and honestly, I don't make empty promises mm-hmm. ever, empty promises ever. Hey man, when we're going to, we're, we're going to, you know, when we get to this point, you're going to get, or, or you're going to be able to, you know, like those, those things I, I try to stay away from. But if I give somebody my word on something, there better be follow through, even if it hurts me. And people would say that's stupid. You know, business people would say, you always take care of yourself first. Screw that, man. If my word is more important than my financial health. Mm -hmm. Uh, It carries weight and, and people talk and they talk behind closed doors. And when they leave the room or when you leave the room, what you want them saying is the same thing they're going to say to your face. So you better handle your business. You better handle yourself. Uh, and, and I'd say that that is rolled up into one. That, that's, a, that's a big learning experience, too. No, it's awesome, too. I've been, uh, I listened to the audiobook Extreme Ownership, with Jocko, and it was awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's good that you have the realization. But some people could have gone to the same scenario that you did and not take any ownership to be like, screw that people, da, 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 da. This is, this is, you know, the way I do it or whatever. And you actually took the time to reevaluate what happened, took the ownership and like, yep, make the adjustments. And it's not by accident that origins blowing up the way it is because you would not be where you at right now if you didn't go through that, you know, that mass back then, you know, so there was definitely a purpose and you learn a lot from it. And what would you say that is a one high performance habit that has helped you progress in jujitsu and business? Something that you do daily could be simple things, but just one habit that if get you up think a, about it helps. Get up easy. Get up in the morning and pray. Mm-hmm. Get up in the morning and pray. And, uh, and uh, I check myself every morning. Mm-hmm. Every morning when I got out of bed, I check myself. Check myself for the day and, and check, check myself for what the daily challenges are going to be and uh that's it it's it's building composure and i think i i think i don't think grit is necessarily formed by your hands i think grit is formed by your mind and i think your hands are an extension of of that of your mind Mm -hmm. so uh, i i do that you know if whether you meditate you know whatever you do but even even more so than jujitsu. Jujitsu is an extension of that, also. Like starting the day centered. Yeah, you know, just really planning the day. That's that's awesome. Now, what is the best advice that you have ever received? Uh, I'd say, uh, wow, that's a that's a. I got a, I got a couple of a couple of different ones, but I'm gonna say from it'd be recent advice uh, when I started Origin the business and one advisor and, and, and verbatim, he said, Pete, he's like, I will consult you with you only if you understand this. I said, okay, why? He goes, you're not fucking special. What you're doing isn't special and nobody gives a shit. Mm-hmm. I was taken back. I said, I'm still here. Tell me, show me, 
show me what I can't see. Show me what I'm missing. And you know, those are simple words. They're simple words. But when those words are put to you, when you're in the, like in despair, it's powerful. It's powerful, you know? And, um, I'd say that that advice is, has carried me a long way. Strip away the F bombs. You strip away everything else. And you listen to that message. You're not special. There's a million people in the world just like you and a million born every day. What you're doing isn't special because there's a million great ideas, but a small handful of people willing to execute on those ideas. Mm -hmm. And nobody gives a shit because if you don't execute on those ideas, no one's going to give a shit. And if you don't believe in those ideas and if you aren't willing to put skin in the game to produce what's in your mind, then no one's going to give a shit. So it's a, it's a, it's a two, it's a two way deal there. You know? mm-hmm. Nice. And what advice would you give to your younger self when you found that spark, when you started, let's say origin. And as soon as you had that plan, which wasn't when you look back, it's not that long ago when you mm. look back, you know, and especially in the entrepreneurial world, like I said, it's, it takes some time to build a business, but what is one advice that you give to that younger version of you starting origin? You know, I, I would say that I always believed in, I always believed that, you know, I, I had good ideas, but I, I having good ideas and believing in your own ideas can create a, a certain amount of uh, arrogance, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, it when confidence is injected with steroids, it creates arrogance, you know, and, and to bring you down that humbling experience, uh, it gets skipped. You know what I mean? So I would say to my, my younger self, like you need help, bud, you need a little bit of help, you know, humble yourself enough to go ask for that help from someone who's been there. And I would have forced myself to do that. And I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So I wanted to go it alone. You know, everybody wants to go it alone. That's cool. But when you're trying to do something next level, it takes many hands and much daylight, not just your own. Mm -hmm. And I feel that's important to the listeners too, to, I mean, there's moments that I look back to that I'm like, man, I wish, but it's one of those things that we literally need to forgive ourselves. And remember that we literally did the best we could with what we knew. So for the listeners, if you're going, if you resent yourself for the, some of the choices that you made years ago, this is the fact. The fact cannot be changed. Only a response to the fact can be changed. This is where you're at right now, taking responsibility that no matter where you're at in your life, the good and the bad is based on the choices and decisions that you made in your life. And I know that can be extremely hard but um, we all have to do, especially in this entrepreneurial journey, which is not simple. Now, I don't know if you read very much, but is there any book that you'd like to recommend to the listeners that maybe has impacted you and, and why? Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I, have, I do the audiobooks. I mm-hmm. listen. That's what I, I do. Ju- too. I, I just started listening to audiobooks this year, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't listened to many uh, books in the past. I haven't listened to any books in the past. I'll just be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- there's there's a few that I've listened to that have helped me um, become a better better person, better 
better business owner and definitely extreme ownership, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not just saying that because Jocko's, you know, an equity owner in origin. He's a, he's a business partner, but because that book's great, mm-hmm. that book's great. How does the human, how does the human mind react in the worst possible circumstances? War. That's real life or death. Yeah. We put our, we put ourselves in life and death situations in business, you know, uh, but we're, we're playing, we're playing a game, you know, war is not a game. War is life and death. And so you can learn from the lessons of warriors. Uh, and when they make mistakes, people die. Yeah. You know? So pull those lessons out of there. That's a, I would, I would say that, that book, uh, for me, that got me starting to listen to books. That was the one that got me started. And there's a there's a few others I've listened to. Mm-hmm. Start start with why was uh, was pretty decent. Simon Sinek, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I like I like that that guy a lot. He got some really cool concepts. So, but other than that, um, I'm trying to think right now. Those two, those those two mm-hmm. are pretty good to start. And now I know we have a lot going on, but what are you currently excited about? I know they got a lot of plans going on. Yeah, so, and I want you to talk about. Uh, about the podcast to let people know as well and matter of fact i do i do listen to the podcast as well so i want to make sure you give a plug so people can listen so what are you excited about uh definitely excited about what we're doing you know we 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 moved into this new factory last july and it's uh it's june so almost a year later we're already busting at the seams you know we're, Mm -hmm. we're, we're we're like almost grown out of it um we're, we're, I'm excited about the fact that if we're climbing a mountain, we're still just getting out of the car. Mm-hmm. And I've been saying that for five years. Yeah. You know? uh, but that's the potential of your mind. It's how you think about where you're at. Where you're at is where you define yourself, is, where, is, is, is the box you put yourself in. So for us, you know, we're starting to make a strategic shift and we're, we're starting to bring our message outside of combat sports, outside of jujitsu, mm-hmm. uh, and into the mainstream, not the mainstream, like, uh, mainstream, like you think about it, but we're going to be developing a, a new line of, uh, of, I want to say workwear, uh, but it's, it's, it's gear for life. Mm-hmm. And that'll be a hundred percent made in America without compromise. And it has to pass the without compromise test, which is even the buttons, the little brass buttons are going to be made right here. That's a hard thing. That's a hard thing to tackle. So I'm real excited about the future of manufacturing for us and the expansion of the brand. Uh, And definitely excited about, you know, just the vision and the mission and bringing that to the world through the podcast, you know, the, that we started called Hanson Daylight, you know, which mm-hmm. is, it's pretty awesome. It's, it's been up there on the top of iTunes charts and business and, you know, we've gotten a lot of good feedback. So those things are exciting. Um, and what makes me most excited is that I can still train jujitsu. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's a big thing, man. Without that, like, man, if I was, I don't know where I'd be in my life without jujitsu. It's yeah, it is always people say that, man, jujitsu is my therapy. And it's literally for, <laughs> for, uh, I think most people, you know, of course have the competitors have, you know, this and that, but for the regular person who is listening and especially entrepreneurs, man, and have so many things in your head and be able to kind of, you know, 
go to the mat and just forget about it. Let me just take a break here for my brain for, you know, yeah. about, you know, hour and a half or maybe two and make the, and being able to loosen up a little more and release some of the stress. So, so f- just to let the listeners know at the end of the interview, I just have my final thoughts. So I'd like you to share your final message and I don't know what kind of advice would you give to the entrepreneurs during their starting their journey, thinking about change, but they're getting into this game and what, what can you tell them? And also information on how we can find more about you, about origin. Sure. Well, first of all, Gustavo, thanks for having me on. It's a lot of fun and I, I definitely appreciate you, uh, your words and, and making this connection happen. Uh, and what an awesome platform this is, mm-hmm. podcasting. Absolutely. It's an awesome platform. Uh, you know, and to answer that question, uh, you, can, you can find out more about us at, you know, origin, originmain.com. And, and we have the podcast Hands and Daylight on iTunes. And it's funny, the, the idea for that podcast came. My father-in-law was like, hey, I asked him one day, how do they build all those stone walls in Maine? You walk through the woods and there's stone walls everywhere. He's like, 90% of Maine used to be fields. He's like, they moved them with their hands in daylight because they didn't have machines. Mm-hmm. They didn't have technology yet. So hands in daylight, he said, either you, you do or you die. Mm-hmm. You, know? you do or you die. You're going to freeze to death if you don't move the rocks to plant your crops so that you can survive through the winter. That's, wow. that's survival. Um, and I'd say for those people who are listening, who are thinking, they're flirting with this, these ideas, they're flirting with them. Uh, you're not going steady yet. And you certainly haven't gotten married. You're just flirting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to believe in yourself first. There's a book. There's a, there's a, there's a book that exists. It's not a tangible book. It's a book of ideas. And there's still a million ideas there. And if you don't execute on your idea, someone else is going to. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to execute on that idea. But you got to believe in yourself first. Believe in that idea. Believe in what you want to do. And then go and do it. In, and people say, how do I go and do it? You start. How do I start? For us, I got a buddy with a chainsaw and we started cutting down trees. We started the action. We started the process of doing. And by doing that, you gain confidence. Mm-hmm. And you start believing what's in your mind to be a tangible reality. So believe in yourself first. That's awesome. And one of the things, there's a book that I read a while back. And I, there's one chapter. The name of the book is The Profitable Power of Purpose. And there's one chapter that starts with and, and reminds me, you and some of my entrepreneurs, adventures also that he said let your irritations inspire you and that's exactly what you did you know that's what I mean awesome. you got you know irritated annoyed and be like you know what I can do better I'm gonna do it you know what I don't like this and literally your irritation inspire you and I feel that for the listeners let your irritations inspire you you're not happy with something well I guess you gotta do something about it no one's gonna do it for you this probably could be even a good name for the. But I like I that. Or irritations inspire you. Let your irritations inspire. You. Yeah, and it's and uh and those each irritation 
is a defining moment, you know, and they, they're defining moments and prepare to be a little bit uncomfortable. If you're awesome. not uncomfortable, if you're not uncomfortable, man, you're not, you, you don't have skin in the game. Mm-hmm. You need to be uncomfortable. Awesome. Pete, thank you so much for the podcast. At some point you will be back because I got to keep under control and you know, all about close to an hour. We can go on and on. Yeah, no worries. So I appreciate your time and for the listeners, just stick around for my final thoughts. Who's now let me share my final thoughts of Pete Roberts interview. And as I mentioned during the interview, I put the link of Pete's interview on Jocko's podcast at the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast.com. Awesome interview. Should definitely check it out how unique his origin story. He dropped a lot of cool knowledge and he mentioned during the interview three crucial steps that people who are in transition or thinking about starting an entrepreneurial journey should take in consideration. And the three are number one, to have a business plan. Second one, have skin in the game. And third, believe in yourself. And the number one is pretty straightforward, have a business plan. But the number two, have skin in the game. I've heard this expression before, but I wanted to understand the roots of this expression. And I went online and I found that skin in the game is a phrase made popular by renowned investor Warren Buffett, referring to a situation in which high-ranking insiders use their own money to buy stock in the company they're running. Basically, they're saying, I'm all in. And Pete mentioned that an example of it is giving up something. In his case, was his competition career. He thought about it and reflect and said, something's got to give. Personally, I sacrificed my competition career when I moved to the U.S. in 1999 to pursue my goal. I'm not sure where you add in your journey right now. If you already accomplished some of the major goals that you wanted to achieve or you're still pursuing a goal, I would like to reflect on this question. What do you need to sacrifice at this moment in your life to achieve the success you desire? Not the success society expects from you, but the success you desire. Because oftentimes the question is not what you can do more, but yet what can you do less? For example, I guess most of us can agree the cell phones are can be extremely distracting. Am I right? And at one moment in my life, I asked, what can I do less? And I thought less random social media browsing and so forth. I decided to remove all notifications on my phone from social media, email, no pop-ups anymore. And when I work from home, oftentimes I turn my phone off during my block time work. This block time concept I learned from Brenda Bouchard, my high-performance coaching mentor, that basically you work 15 minutes straight, phone off, and 10 minutes break. Stretch, grab some water, check your phone. You'll be amazed how your productivity will improve. So think about what you can do less and execute on this idea. Don't wait. And the third one is to believe in yourself. My advice is just to work on your craft with passion, intention, and with the desire to learn and especially to grow. More time you put towards your craft, more competent you will become. And competence leads to confidence, 
which is called the competence and confidence loop. Like in jiu-jitsu, you train, you progress through different belts and levels. You become more competent in jiu-jitsu, which leads to become more confident. But not necessarily, though, because some people have great skills. I guarantee that you know someone at the academy that it's extremely competent in jiu-jitsu, but they struggle to develop their confidence in competitions and them not performing to the best of their abilities. By the way, if you do have an issue with performing or know someone that does, check out my website, the BJJMentalCoach.com. You can find the list of the top 10 mental mistakes jiu-jitsu competitors make and how to avoid them available for free. You can download the audio or watch the videos. Now, all I can say is this. Hard work is the root of self-confidence because when you're at peace and knowing that you did everything you could have possibly done to prepare yourself for a tournament, for a meeting, for a job interview, you know you ex- that you worked extremely hard. Now it goes to perform to the best of your ability and transfer all your knowledge to that under pressure situation. Sometimes your best is enough to win or to get the deal that you expected. Sometimes it's not enough. But you are at peace that you did the best you could with the tools and knowledge that you had at that moment. But you live in the now, so focus on the now. Decide what do you want to do less and what do you want to do more and execute on this idea. Be consistent and most importantly, discipline about it. As Jim Rome said, discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishment. O's. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.